Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Up Your Confidence podcast. This will be a podcast conversation for and by women to equip, empower, and elevate us to up your confidence every day to live our God-given potential. And now, here is your host. everyone. I am excited today for our conversation. Today I'm excited to bring you a new episode of the Up Your Confidence from our series, How to Enhance and How to Develop Your Confidence. And uh, my guest today is Terry Kloskowski. Sorry, Terry. (laughs) Terry Kloskowski. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit about her bio because her story is uh, very fascinating. Terry is a certified life coach, a Native American, a blogger, the author of Raven Transcending Fear, and the founder of Soul Solution. She specializes in empowering women by teaching them to set personal boundaries, reframe the story they tell themselves, overcome their fear, and push past their limited belief. Part memory, part self-help guide. Terry book is a raw and personal story of diving deep into childhood trauma, dealing with the terror before ultimately getting comfortable with fear and transcending it. On her successful podcast and YouTube channel, Soul Solution, she dwells into soul and offer bite-sized takeaway for controlling our ego and emotion. Terry Holder, a bachelor in uh, social science, has written for Tribe Global and Medium, appeared on over 60 plus podcasts and has spoken to group from five to 600 people. She has helped over 1,500 people with her hard-earned wisdom. Terry lives in Woodstock, Georgia, with her husband and her pamper, Shiwawa Lilu. Welcome, Terry, to the Up Your Confidence podcast. How are Thank you doing you. today? I'm doing very well, Is that? I'm happy to be here with you and your audience today. Thank you. I'm, I always like to start to talk about how I meet uh, guests, and you are a follow podcaster. I've known you now for over a year and a half, mm-hmm. and as just your bio say, every time I'm in your presence virtually, I always feel uh, elevated, you know, and uh, the reason I wanted you to have you today, I, I, I've been having your book since your book came out, so again, congratulations on your book you know thank I know you it's a lot of effort writing a book I'm writing a book myself so I definitely congratulate you on that effort and uh since uh, your book came out I know that you have been super busy you know but uh I started reading your book and we're gonna get into your book a lot but uh I wanted to have you today on the podcast because uh, this topic that we're going to be discussing today, I couldn't think of anybody else, you know, uh, that will uh, transcend and break it down to us and unpack uh, this, uh, how do we um, overcome our limited beliefs? So I'm so glad you are here. So let's get started, Terry. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because 
I don't want you to give everything away, but I know you had a very difficult childhood, you know, and you overcome a lot of stuff. But I, I want to talk about the Terry. Um, that was in her middle, middle, 13 years old, 13 and 14 years old. You know, how is that Terry when you look at her today? Well, Terry, when she was 13, was a very fearful, uh, terrified person. She had, at that point, um, lived through uh, child sexual abuse. She lived through being abandoned on the streets of Albuquerque, New Mexico, at the age of 11, with her younger sister, uh, who was only uh, 11 months younger than she was. So I was the big sister and trying to take care of my little sister with an alcoholic mother. And because of our background, I grew up very, very quickly. I went from being a little girl into being what my dad said. I came back from visiting my mother that trip. And it was like I aged dramatically. And I shut down who I was, that bubbly little girl who was very confident, very knowing who she was and what she wanted, disappeared. She went inward. Because when you are traumatized, you don't really know who you are. And part of the reason for that is the trauma was done by my mother. So if your mother can't love you, if your mother won't protect you, who on this world will, you know, who on the planet is going to do that? Now I had a great dad and he listened to me. He, uh, I got off the airplane from that trip and um, my sister ran up and hugged him, but I walked up and said, I need therapy. I'm 11 when I did this. And I was in therapy from the time I was 11 until I was 18. And so he literally, I got off the plane on a Saturday morning, Monday morning, I was in therapy. So my dad did do everything he could and listen to, to what this 11 year old little girl was telling him. And I didn't tell him exactly what happened. I didn't tell him that we were abandoned. I didn't tell him that I was sexually assaulted um, for about a year. Uh, because oh. I, well, I also didn't know how to vocalize that, you know, when you're 11 and something traumatizing occurs, you don't know how to talk about it. And this was done, this was all in the early eighties. So there wasn't that type of communication concerning, or people weren't watching for child sexual abuse. They weren't watching for childhood traumas. They were thinking that everybody was okay. Now we know better because uh, we know from statistics alone that there was a lot of childhood trauma going on in the 80s and before and after. And sadly, the, those numbers aren't necessarily declining the way they should be, um, especially since the uh, awareness is there. So at 13, I was literally trying to keep away from everybody. I didn't want to make friends because friends were going to hurt me because if my mother hurt me, everybody else was going to hurt me. So I was, um, I wouldn't say lonely, but I was alone because I chose that. So when you choose something, you can't blame, you know, that, oh, I have no friends. Well, I chose not to have friends. I chose not to go out into the world as teenagers do. Now I have to give credit to a fabulous uh, friend. Her name was Susie. She uh, literally made me do things that I would never have done because of my trauma. She made me go to school dances. She made me go to high school football games. All those things that you think is normal for a teenager, I didn't wanna do 
she forced me, you know, drug me along uh, because I wanted to be her friend. And that's part of that peer pressure that occurs that starts our descent into um, not being who we authentically are. That peer pressure is the first, it's the second part of where our limiting beliefs come from. Um, our first limiting beliefs come from sadly our parents and our family members, because they tell us things, you want to be a good girl, you want to be a good boy. They want us to conform to be this nice looking family instead of being our authentic selves. And that when we're conforming to fit in, and then when that peer pressure comes in and we're conforming to fit in so that we have friends, because the ego really wants us to be liked. And what the ego doesn't realize is not everybody is supposed to like us. If we, if we're authentically who we are, there are going to be people that isn't going to like how our light shines. It's going to shine in places in their lives that is going to make them think, Hmm, maybe mm -hmm. I need to correct this. And when we shine our light in that way, and those people who don't want to become aware, don't want to see those dark places in themselves, they're not going to like us. But the ego does decides that we need to be their friends. They have to like us. And we start conforming so that we hide our light. We hide who we authentically are. We put on masks and armor so that we can go out into the world. And that's the start of where our limiting beliefs come from. Oh, my. So... I, I have, a, I have a, an 11 year old daughter. So when I started reading your book, I had to skip that part uh, <laughs> seriously because I'm not ready to just, it was just too raw for me. Mm -hmm. And just too, even listening to you, it was just too emotional. So full transparency, I skipped that part for personal reason because I just mm -hmm. cannot imagine that happening to a human being let alone a young girl so I, I really thank you for explaining it and um what you say about the limited belief coming from a parent is very important you know because mm -hmm. in our early years there are things that are stamped in our memory in our heart and I want you to unpack a little bit more of how does our limited belief show up? You know, how does it show up later for the Terry 20 years later? I use a software analogy, which will, should work really well for you. So <laughs> we come in, we come into this world and we're being programmed. We come in with this operating system and we start being programmed by our families. We start being programmed um, when we start school. There's programming that's being happening. However, when we become teenagers, we should have a software update. We need to decide, okay, all these things that I've been told, are they true for me? And we need to realize that just because our parents say this is our religion, doesn't mean that that is who we authentically are and how our spiritual essence wants to be shown into the world. So I think every 10 years, we need a software update. Because if we really think about it, we, in our teens, that's all that conformity with our uh, peers. In our 20s, we're getting out into the world and we think we're just awesome stuff. And then stuff happens to us and we're trying to get into relationships with others. And that backfires on us because we decide that, oh, he likes blonde. So I'm going to dye my hair blonde. We, we start trying to do all this stuff to impress people. 
And then I think what really happens is over a course of a period of time, that midlife crisis that people talk about, I really truly think that is when deep down our authentic selves says, hey, this is not who we are. We need to stop this. And we just decide to start taking off the mask and armor and we get that full software update. So I'm on Terry 5.0. And Terry 5.0 is really and truly who she was when she came into this world. I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly where I'm going. I know those things that light me up. And those things are what I want to pursue. Those things that when I, did, when I started the podcast, I had been blogging at that point for over a year and a half. And it was... I just took my articles and I decided, okay, this can be a podcast. And that's what I've been doing. So I still, who I authentically am is a writer. And the podcast came out of, it's a different audience. And it's completely is a different audience. The people who listen to my podcast are not the same people who read my blog post. So because of that, I know I'm, I'm reaching a, a wider audience when I do that. But all of the work that goes into writing the the weekly blog post, recording the show, editing the show, posting the show, posting the article, getting out all the audiograms, creating social media, all those things really and truly flies by because I love it, because it lights me up, because I'm spreading a message of love and light to the world. And when Terry 5.0 looks back on, you know, the 13-year-old who is 1.0, And 1.0 was a very fearful child. 2.0 was trying to figure out how to stand up on my own two feet. 3.0 was realizing that, hmm, there shouldn't, I shouldn't be afraid of everything and everybody. There has to be safety in this world. And Terry 4.0 was about finding play and finding happiness in myself. So I think that as we age, we're always supposed to be learning and growing. And we're always supposed to be finding more about who we authentically are. Because as we age, we really need to be taking off the mask and armor that get put on. So you had mentioned, and I'd like to go back to one of the limiting beliefs that was planted in me by my mother uh, when I was about nine years old. She had made the comment that I, I am the older, older sister to my uh, 11 month younger sister, that my sister was the survivor and I wasn't, that I was somebody that would perish if bad things happened to me. Now, this is prior to all the trauma. So the trauma occurred and I'm, after the trauma, I have that limiting belief that I will perish. And I suffered and suffered and suffered in that whole thought process that I wasn't going to survive this. And that was what was happening when I was 13 years old. I was, I was really at a place where I didn't believe I was going to survive. And I looked at taking my life at that point, because those are the things that happen when you have no hope and you're in despair. And the, one of the things the ego does when you're depressed is keep you focused on the past. Ooh. Okay. So depression is the ego having you focus on the past. And then I did a complete 180 and went into anxiety because I then started looking at the future. 
the reality is you, and that when you're anxious or when you're depressed, you're missing out on the present moment and life only happens in the present moment. You do not live in the past. You cannot live in the future. You must live in the present moment. And in the present moment, 99.9% of the time, it is perfectly fine. You're content in the present moment, but we always are looking forward or we're looking backward. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. When, and that's what the ego does to keep us stuck so that we aren't living. We are surviving and life was never meant to be survived. It's meant to be lived and thrived upon. And the only way we do that is by staying in the present moment. So for me to overcome that limiting belief, it, I call it a reframing. And so that's where my reframing your limiting beliefs comes from. It's actually, uh, and I didn't know this when I started talking about it, it's a psychological tool that you can use to look at that limiting belief you have. I, I will perish. I am not a survivor. And, you know, when I was about 18 or 19 years old, I was in college and I had um, a college buddy kind of tell me that I got something out of being a a victim. And I got very angry. And but something about how he said it, because when you hear truth, it sits with you, you may first emotionally react. And that's where my anger came from. But then I was like, hey, hmm, something about this is true. What am I getting out of staying a victim? And it was twofold. Number one, I was proving my mother right that I was going to perish. Number two, I realized that if I stayed a victim, everybody did leave me alone because when you are completely living out your victimhood, people walk on eggshells around you. They're very cautious what they say. And ultimately when they don't know what to do, they leave you alone. And that's what I was going for at the time. But I realized there has to be a better way for me to be left alone and no longer be a victim. And that's the day that I did a complete mindset shift and became a survivor and overcame that limiting belief because I realized I did survive that trauma. I had made it out of high school. I'm now in college. And when I realized that everything that happened, I may not be thriving, but I'm doing more than surviving. So I became a survivor because of that conversation with him. Now, overcoming and maintaining that so that now I am a survivor and not allowing the old tapes of my mother's voice, because always it's somebody, when that tape plays in your head, it's always somebody else's voice. It's really not your own. Somebody else mm -hmm. said it to you. And the sad thing is we keep playing, pushing the play button. And it repeats over and over and over again. So we need to learn to record over that and use a more positive statement. It doesn't have to be, you know, completely a 180, just something like, you know, if I'm, if you're depressed, you can say today in this moment, everything is okay. And that's a starting place. Some people can't go today. I'm happy because they're not. So you start with where you are and everybody can start with today. I'm better than I was yesterday. Oh my, I, like I told, I told you guys, audience member, Terry is, uh, is, is full of wisdom, you know, and I want to go back to 
your 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 software analogy because you know I love that right <laughs> it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this this is gonna be tweetable I'm gonna run with it because it totally makes sense mm-hmm. and um I'm looking at my daughter she's 10 and I told her when she had her birthday that you know every 10 years she's gonna be growing you know and I was like when you're 20 you're gonna be doing this you don't have to do it in this order but this is how you're gonna be growing at every stage mm-hmm. you know and I see that for myself I'm in my version 4.0 level and uh it's totally different how I was when I was in my 20s and in my 30s. So I really love that analogy. And how you overcome your limited belief is before we get to how you overcome, because I want to get a little bit practical about that. But I also want you to point out a little bit, how does the limited belief show up sometimes for people? It's very subtle hmm. because for a lot of us, we, we don't realize that we have a limiting belief. So for example, the most recent one that I've had to deal with is that for some reason, I don't believe that, or wait, let me rephrase that. For, I used to not believe that I was, should be blessed financially mm-hmm. with success. And that's one of those limiting beliefs that many, many people have. And it comes from, for me, the fact that I grew up, we weren't in poverty, but we were not, you know, we went week to week. We had a lot of macaroni and cheese and spaghetti for dinner when I was growing up. And this would have been in the seventies and early eighties. And, you know, money was tight. We never, you know, we didn't get new things. Um, I remember in high school, one year they decided that instead of them trying to figure out what to do with, there was five of us kids at that point, my dad had remarried and we had a step family, blended family. And they gave each of us girls $100 to go back to school shopping. Buy whatever you want. This is what you have. You need to think about, do you need underwear? Do you need socks? What it, and I remember that I did very basic things, but I did buy myself a pair of Jordache jeans. Mm. It was $40. So it was, a, it was a good chunk of my money. And, that, and I remember... After I got the Jordache jeans, and I think I wore the Jordache jeans like for four years, um, I realized that the name on that jeans didn't matter. And that, so that for me was a lesson. But over the years, living paycheck to paycheck, because that was normal, I just maintained that mm. instead of thinking, wait a second, I don't need to spend the money that I bring in you know, yes, there are bills, but let's look at budgeting. Let's look at saving. Let's look at changing how I think about money. And for a lot of us, if you grew up in a paycheck to paycheck situation, you think that's normal. So you don't change it. You don't say that there's, there could be something better. And so that's something that I've been working on. And interestingly for me, I thought I had gotten over all that because, you know, I do have a savings account and I do have a retirement account. You have, you set all those things up. And then I realized my business is not as financially successful as it should be. I'm doing all the work. I'm putting myself out there. So what is it? And I realized, oh, it's about, am I worthy of 
financial success. So there's the worthiness factor that gets tied up in there. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I thought my worthiness stuff was all taken care of. And it shows up in the strangest places. And especially after you think you've overcome something and there's still that lingering string that didn't get pulled and didn't get cut away when you did a lot of the work. So sometimes it lingers, but for a lot of us, the money one is a big one. Worthiness is a big one. And the worthiness factor, sadly, really comes from our childhood. It comes from our loving parents um, wanting us to be good boys and good girls and realizing that you get highly praised when you get a bring home a good report card. And, oh, if I get a good report card, then I'm liked and I get attention and I get a reward. But if I don't get good grades, you know, I'm ignored. Mm. Yeah. So, so we, we have to figure out ways to encourage our children in what they thrive in. So for example, my son um, is a horrible test taker. If I could sit with him and talk to him about a subject and he could tell me all about it, but it came down and he had to take a test, he would not do well on that test. He would come home and tell me all the, all the questions and say, I don't think I put the right answer. I think this is the right answer. So he could then go back and realize what he did. But during the test, he got extremely anxious and his mind just shut down. And that's what the ego does when we allow fear to enter and we react to that fear it causes us to make poor decisions it causes us to stay stuck and not move towards our dreams so the only remedy that i have found to help overcome the ego is to understand that what the ego's purpose is the ego has a purpose it's a good purpose and the problem is that in today's society it doesn't necessarily have as big of a purpose. So the ego's purpose is to keep us safe, period. It looks out for us. So, you know, back as during evolution, it was about when we were out picking berries or hunting, paying attention to the wild animals or realizing that um, the river's flooding and we need to move to higher ground. In this day and age, those types of survival isn't necessarily part of our everyday experience in the Western world. So in the Western world, the ego then decides to find other things for us to be concerned about. And it ends up being those things like our feelings were hurt because somebody made a comment. Now, it was a truthful comment and we recognize it was a truthful comment, but we didn't like it. So the next time we have to go have a meeting with that person or a, get to, a family get together and the ego is going to remind, oh, we don't like to do that. We don't like that. They didn't like us. They made, a, made us feel bad. That's not the ego's purpose. Okay. The ego's purpose is about life and death situations. The ego's purpose for me after my traumatic childhood, I was sexually molested by three Hispanic men. So for my high school and college years, Hispanic men terrified me. They could be, have nothing. I mean, I could just see them and the anxiety and the fear would make me sick to my stomach. Then I had to go into the workforce and guess what? I had to work with Hispanic men. And then I found out Hispanic men are very loving, caring people. And 
there really is no reason for me to fear every single Hispanic man in the world because of three. So now when I see Hispanic men, sometimes my ego will, especially if they look at all similar to those three men, my ego will rise up and say, Ooh, we need to be careful. And I can say to my ego, thank you. But I know that I've had more positive experiences, the negative experience with men and the fear will melt away. But we have to recognize that if we allow that fear to rise and we react to it, that we don't allow ourselves to be loving to, to the rest of the world. So instead, you, when you feel that angst, pause, take a deep breath, let it out. And you autumn, if you do it three times, your limbic system automatically resets and you physically will calm down your blood pressure will be lowered, your breathing rate will decrease um, for three. So that's intake for the count of three out for the count of three, do that three times and your limbic system resets. But when you pause, you allow yourself to hear the whispers of your heart, hear the whispers of your soul and respond from a place of love instead of a place of fear. Now you have to get quiet to listen because it's really loud and obnoxious and tries to get your attention and does all kinds of crazy things. The soul is not that way. The soul is that still small voice. That's the soul and your heart are those things that when you're at peace, that's coming from your soul. When you are joyful, that is coming from your soul because those are spiritual qualities we all have within us. It's not something you find outside yourself. People who think that happiness is out there somewhere, they're lying to themselves. Happiness, joy, and peace all are internal things you seek within yourself and they rise out of you. And that's how you share your love and peace with the world. Oh, wow. I, I love when you say that, you know, um, our ego try to keep us safe. And I have been also working on some of my limited belief and one that I just read because they just show up in a very weird way. Mm -hmm. And this past summer, I spent three months back home in Benin and um, we rented a house by the beach so that I could. And this was something that I really wanted to just go walk on the beach every day. But as soon as my mom heard that our house that we rented was by the beach, she every time kept telling me, don't go walk on the beach all the time because they kill people, you know, they rape people. And she was instilling fear in me. And mm -hmm. I was really trying to put it back. And I have to tell you, I spent literally at least 20 days, you know, out of uh, my three months, you know, because I was walking every other day, 20 days, I was walking on the beach by myself and nothing happened to me. Nothing happened to me. And uh, I, I, I kept rewinding that and say, all my adult, all my life, you know, my mom has been instilling fear in me, mm -hmm. instilling fear in me when I want to do something, when I want to get married, anything that I want to do, her reaction has always been fear-based. So then I, I, I told myself, I just started laughing. I told myself, I'm so glad I didn't grow up so close to my mom, you know, like in the <laughs> house or so close. I'm so glad I moved away, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I turned out to be good and I'm a fearless person. So that was my thought. And then when I was reading your book, even last night, one part that you talked about was 
live with fear, but be fearless. So I want you mm-hmm. to unpack that a little bit because that really resonated, resonated with me. I was like, oh, that is my life because I have been a program, like you mentioned, to be fear, to, 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 to always think about something that is going to be fear, fearful, but I'm a fearless person in everything that I do. You know, I look fear in the eyes and I wink all the time. And I'm like, let's do this. What else is going to happen? So tell me, how do we live with fear, but we still stay fearless? So for most of us, being fearless is really about deciding that it doesn't matter what other people say. If my soul is telling me to do it, then it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. Now, it may not work out exactly. I think it should because the universe works in a mysterious way where it gives us what we need not necessarily what we want Mm. because we're supposed to be learning every day. So maybe we need a lesson in whatever it is, whatever we think we're being fearful of. Maybe we need a lesson. You needed a lesson in understanding that walking on the beach, if that is what your soul is telling you to do is a safe thing for you to do. And you being fearless and despite your mother, doing it because that is what your soul was telling you to do was you being fearless from a day-to-day perspective. Some of these things are, um, a lot of what people are dealing with anxiety and stress and people aren't going to like me saying this, but most stress is (laughs) self-induced. Come on now. (laughs) Most, most stress is self-induced Yes, because our thoughts cause our own suffering. Whether it is repeating a tape that my mother said or you said to you, stilling fear, um, people do things and say things like parents say things out of love and concern for you. So you have to look, okay, mom doesn't want me to be hurt. My dad, when I was trying to decide what I was going to do when I grew up, uh, wanted me to go to college for a business degree. And I did not have the guts to tell him I didn't want a business degree. So I went two full years. Now I went to college nonstop. So I actually graduated in three years. I took no breaks. I was always in school. I was doing 18 credit hours every semester. So, and I was working part-time 30 hours a week. So I was, oh, I've always been like, <laughs> That's what the young people like call grinding. <laughs> I've always been like this. I'm an overachiever. So- It took me two full years before I could go to my dad in tears and tell him that I didn't want business degree because I hated accounting. (laughs) I hated economics and I have a minor in accounting and a minor in economics. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) Yes. Because, because I needed to figure out, okay, I'm two years in, which was really about three years in trying to figure out what can I do with all these credits and get a degree. And the social sciences is what I ended up with because I have a minor also in archaeology and a minor in history. Um, So I did all this and I graduated. But when I told my dad, this is what my dad said to me, honey, you're supposed to wanted to do. And I said to him, but I told you what I wanted to do. And then you went into this big speech about the fact that I was never going to make any money. I was always going to be stuck to uh, a hospital setting. I wanted to be a speech pathologist. Mm. And, and nowadays, and when I was talking about it, 
it was something that was getting $30,000 a year and you were in a hospital. The universe knew that the baby boomers were going to age and they were going to have heart disease and strokes and they were going to need speech pathology. They were going to find out as you know, that students and kids needed speech pathology to help them overcome stutters and speech impediments. Right. So nowadays in private practice, speech pathologists can make anywhere from 120 to $150,000 in the school systems, about 65 and hospital settings over 85. So my daddy didn't know the universe did. And that is something that we need to think about when we're talking to our children, when they're getting ready to decide what it is, you know, that they're making a commitment to go to college. That's a huge commitment. And we all encourage our children to go to college. And that's a good thing for us to encourage. I encourage that. And both my boys were not college material and they went to tech schools and they're thriving now. So we need to also understand that my dream for them to have a college degree was my dream, not their dream. Exactly. And that's the, that's the other thing that us good loving parents need to be able to do. And us, us kids, us 20 year olds, us teenagers need to be able to say, thank you. I'll consider that yes. and move on <laughs> do what, do what it is that you're, you feel you're being called to do. What, what lights you up? What's that thing that just, as you're doing it, time just disappears. Those are the things you need to pursue. And for us unpacking and realizing, you know, I was scared to death and didn't tell my dad for two full years, you know, that was silly. And then when I finally did, and that's the other thing that a lot of us don't realize when you finally speak your truth, people are okay with it. And yeah. that's the ego telling us that, you know, oh, no, you're going to lose. They're not going to love you. They're going to lose them as a friend. They're not going to like you anymore, whatever. Those are all eyes of the ego. And the, the ego does that because it doesn't want change. It doesn't, it's okay with us being, it's okay with us being miserable because miserable is what it knows. Totally. If you're, if you're in misery, that's what it knows. And anything that you do to try to change that is scary to the ego. And that's really and truly where our fear lies is that our ego is causing the fear. And if we look and say, okay, I'm terrified to start a podcast. Why am I terrified to start a podcast? Well, I could fail. Okay. I could fail, but I could also be horribly successful. But if I don't try it, you know, I, so let's go ahead and try it and see what happens. And the ego is what keeps us stuck. The ego is what keeps holding us back. It's the ego and the fear. If, if anything is causing you fear, have a conversation with your ego, because that's what's keeping you in place. And instead get quiet. And when you get quiet, you learn to listen to the whispers of your heart, the whispers of your soul. And whatever that little whisper is, go ahead, do it, do it. Because that means that there's either success for you or a lesson for you. You need to have, because for a lot of us, those lessons along the way 
is what allows us to be truly successful and thrive in life. Yes, yes. And uh, oh my God, you have uh, unload a lot of wisdom. And uh, I have uh, I have been doing this work of uh, just peeling uh, the layers of the different uh, um, limiting belief that I have, especially in this entrepreneurship uh, journey that I, I'm, I'm on, you know, and I, I keep, like you say, whenever something seems like a blocker or a fear or I have anxiety around it, I step into it. I actually walk in through it and mm -hmm. stay quiet and listen. And I really want you to talk about listening, you know, because listening is one of those, uh, I love, 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 one of those skill set, you know, and I do like a whole presentation on listening for folks, but I want you to talk about, you know, that whisper, you know, not only just listening to ourselves, but how even listening to others can also help us, you know, uh, in, 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 in general in life. So when we make authentic connections, and let me be very clear of what authentic connection is, that means that the conversation that you and I are currently having, we're being our authentic selves. Yes. We are making a true connection. You hear the wisdom. It's, it's affecting and touching your heart. And at the same time, I know that I'm providing your audience with exactly what they need. So there's that authentic connection. Once you have an authentic connection with anybody, and guess what? You can have it with a stranger. Just, just yes. so you know, you can oh, yes. have it with a stranger. All the time for me. <laughs> when you have that authentic connection, what's happening is the universe is using that other person or using you to teach. We are all teachers and we are all students. But for us to be able to hear and hearing and listening are different. Hearing is something that's physically done. Okay. Listening is something that is felt. Yes. It is something where you completely understand what the person is saying. You're not trying to figure out how to reply. If you are thinking about how to reply, you are not listening which means your reply will not be authentic. So you have to listen to understand. Understanding means that you are now in the other person's shoes. You understand their perspective. It can be completely different than yours and you can completely with their perspective. However, it is their perspective. It's based on their life experience and you should not and absolutely cannot negate their experience or their feelings, even if you think, oh, they're crazy, it's okay for them to feel how they feel. Now, once you have listened to understand, once you have understood and felt their perspective, empathize with what they're feeling, only then can you truly make any type of conversation with them, any type of reply. If they are asking you a question, then is the time that you can say, okay, now that I've listened and heard you, I believe this is what you're telling me. I believe this is what you're feeling. Is that true? And once they realize, oh, they get me, then anything you say at this point will have a great impact and influence on them because you understood where they came from. Even if they decide not to take whatever advice you give or whatever wisdom you, you think you're providing, they heard you. 
And because they understood that you empathetic with them, you understood where they were coming from. And because of that, your words now impact and words are very, very powerful because those, you know, my mother made that comment to me that I wasn't a survivor in an offhand way. And it stayed with me for decades. And those are the things that you really need to understand when you are casual with people. Casual comments may have great impact because that casual comment is coming from somebody that they love. And if they love you and you make a comment because you didn't actually hear to understand them, they're going to take it to heart and you may have harmed them because of the fact that you had a good intention, but you didn't actually hear what they had and listen to what they had to say. Yeah, totally. I mean, you, 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 nail, you nail it. One thing, because we, we're getting close to our conversation. I can't believe we've been talking for almost uh, <laughs> this long, but I want you to share with us how, what, what does gratitude play in, in uh, overcoming, your, uh, um, overcoming your limited belief? Where, do, where does gratitude stand for that? Because I, I truly believe in being uh, grateful for your present. And I think you start talking about it earlier when you were talking about, you know, you need to be present. So let's unpack that a little bit. So for you to understand those things in your life that are, have limiting beliefs, for you to understand and be aware of the present moment and the blessings you have in the present moment, gratitude plays a, a tremendous part in making sure that you thrive instead of survive. What I mean by that is every day I have the first hour of the day is Terry time and I ground myself every morning. I uh, meditate. I do mantras. I write, uh, I am statements. I, uh, go, and then I journal, uh, I do morning pages, three pages every day, but most of my morning pages, I start off with um, gratitude for yesterday, thankful for the things that happened. Even some of the things that during the day yesterday, I didn't like today. I realized, Oh, that was about this. Thank you spirit for showing me that lesson. So when I review yesterday, that's normally page one. And I'm thankful for those things for yesterday. And then I'm thankful for the current situations that are happening in my life. I am in the lap of luxury. And that is something that other people may not think that I live a luxurious life, but I live a very comfortable existence. And that for me, that's the lap of luxury. And however I decide to define that, you may be different and that's fine. But whatever is for you, whether it's that, uh, piece of Lindor chocolate every night with your uh, dessert for dinner, whatever that is, we all meant to have luxury in our life. And that little bit being grateful for that, whatever that little bit of luxury is, is part of making sure that we ground ourselves in the present moment. And also then my third page is being thankful for those things that are coming, the intentions that I have, the dreams that are manifesting, 
the dreams I am working towards, the goals I want to set for today, that, I've, I, that I will complete, not only complete them, that I, they will happen easily. You have great power in your, when you set intentions for your day. When you start off grounding yourself in gratitude and understanding that you are truly blessed, then the, the way you see your present moment and the way you de decide how to live your day follows that. True. So you can overcome limiting beliefs by being thankful and understanding that today I am overcoming this false belief that I have. Thank you, spirit, that my ego understands and I understand it has its place and that I am aware that this limiting belief is false. And I'm choosing today to start a new belief. I write out the new belief. Reprogram it. Reprogram exactly. yourself with exactly. the new belief. I love it. I love it. And uh, one other question that I like to ask, um, two questions that I'm going to ask you and we're going to close out here is, um, again, the book is Raven, Transcending Fear. And uh, it's, uh, it's really an amazing book. And I'm going to continue my reader this weekend. I'm halfway into it after jumping around because uh, I can't take the beginning. But <laughs> it's so worth it. You know, it's worth it. There's wisdom in every line, you know, even with the rawness and the really deep, there's still, there's still wisdom. But what are you hoping to accomplish with this book? You know, because I know you've been like on the journey of sharing with whoever you can, but what are you trying to accomplish with the book? What is your message? When I if you would have asked me in my thirties or forties about writing my, my story, I would have said, not just no, but hell no, it was not anything <laughs> I ever wanted to do. And then in the summer of 28, the summer before I turned 50, I became pregnant with a book and it literally was downloaded. I sat at my computer and it just typed out of me and I typed over hundred words. And then it took me more nine months nine months the book was done, but it took me 18 months to edit because part of that download, and you need to understand that when anybody, a lot of times when we're writing our own story, that download, part of that is for us. Part of that download is for us and is not meant to be shared with the world so that we see the lessons along the way so that we are able to say, oh, that's what that was. Oh yeah. The world doesn't need to know that this is for me. This doesn't lay out the story that I want the world to see. So the reason for the book was I had over the 20, 30 years I've always talked about my story. What I really, most people have traumatic experiences, but for some reason they think mine is more traumatic than theirs. Mm. So because of that, I decided that my book, if that's really the perception that lots of people have, then if I could overcome, certainly they can overcome. So that's the reason for the book is to help people realize that, yes, you can overcome any trauma from your childhood. You can overcome your limiting beliefs. You can overcome the ego. And so that's what the whole purpose of the book was, was to give people a foundation of understanding that your story is different than mine. But if you think mine is worse than yours and I could overcome, that means you can overcome. Let me be the bridge to help you to the other side faster. 
Totally, totally. And I have to tell you, I was, we've been authentic here. I don't like reading personal biography. You know, I just don't because I don't really want to know people's stories. You sometimes it's really scary, you know, and it get really into like, I don't, I don't, I just don't like it. I don't, I don't watch biography movie. I like self-help book, you know, personal development. So I, I pick up your book because it was you, but then I have to say that, you know, you, you've done both in the book. For mm-hmm. somebody like me, because I'm skipping it around, I'm like, okay, this is getting too deep. I'm not, I'm not gonna go there. I don't know why I don't want to go there. Maybe that's a limiting belief that I need ah, to- <laughs> yes. That maybe you need at least to write those down in your journal and think about why do I want to read that? <laughs> yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> so, but I, I want to say that it has both. It has both. Mm-hmm. You know, you would come away with uh, something. It's for everybody. It's for those of you that like fiction and non-fiction and you want real life so because my daughter always tell me about she like to read people biography and she get into it so much and she she come out of it and she want to tell me the person's story in the car I'm like I don't want to know I don't want to know that story I'm not interested I want the lesson so let me say this about reading personal stories it is I believe one ways for children and young people to learn diversity. And Mm. the reason I say that is because if you read somebody's story, you get inside their head. And if it's somebody who doesn't look like you, who doesn't live a life like you do, then you learn about how that person. When you see it from a different society, a different background, diversity, then you would you learn to understand that we're all the same. True, we're all true, the same. True. And the 99.9% of us is genetically identical to the other. Yes. That- it's the ego trying to keep us separate. That's the ego putting out into the world and saying, oh, like them, so like you, or, oh, you don't look like them. So they're going to believe something different than you do. And the reality is we all believe the same thing. We all want to be loved. We don't want to be scared. And we can do that for one another. True. True. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Because that's super important because my daughter is teaching me that because truly she's reading story about really complex kids and complex adults from various lives that I'm sure she will never get to experience because of the bubble that she is in. So it's really opening her eyes to a different mm-hmm. world. So I totally love that. Thank you. And my last question that I love asking all my guests is how do you up your confidence every day? I think you already sprinkle it here and there, but let's end on that note. How do you up your confidence every day? I ground myself every single day. And that is really and truly two, two parts. It is for me to remind myself, my authentic self, and to ground myself every day through meditation, through journaling, and remind myself of how blessed I am. Put intention onto paper as to how I'm going to move through the day. And I believe in I am statements. And I think for me, the I am statements are really what helped me overcome and build my conf- my self-confidence because anything you put after I am becomes a truth for you. Whether you say I am tired, well, that becomes a truth for you. 
Instead, I say I am focused energy. Mm. Okay. And because a lot of times we get distracted, we get on the internet and, you know, I am focused energy. I am a master of time. I am in a constant flow state. I am responding to others with love. When you, I do, I, I am mantras that I read and then I write 17 because that's, a, that's as many lines on the little notebook I have. I write <laughs> 17 I am statements every day. They're different. I am vibrationally equal to source. Those things that help us. I am worthy of financial success. Yes. Those things that we're struggling with, we need to put an I am and make it a positive statement. Yeah. I, am, I am living and thriving today. I am joyful and feel great. I am healing and healthy. I am thankful my body functions as it was perfectly designed to function. All those things that we think we need help with, can, we can help ourselves. Our mind, our software, our, our programming can change. We have to be the programmers. Don't let the outside world program who you are. Yes, I, I, I concur. I concur. And I have my, when you were talking, I have like my money affirmation here. And because uh, I think just like any entrepreneur, having your program or have your business and have to price it and all that, it's always difficult. And I have to balance it with somebody that like philanthropy because I have a nonprofit. So I have a lot of limiting beliefs that I had to work on. So I have mine plastered on the wall and I'm a master of my wealth. Literally, I have, that's my mm -hmm. favorite one. Money is my servant. So it's not something that, you know, destroy me, but I, I, I use money as a service to others. So I, I, I totally concur. Thank you so much, Terry. Audience member listening and watching us everywhere. You guys can see and just realize how much Terry is a fountain of wisdom. You know, she has gave us a lot of gem, a lot of, uh, information to help us really overcoming our, our limited belief. Is there any last word you want to share before we, we, we end this uh, wonderful podcast today, Terry? Well, thank you very much, Lizette, for having me. I've enjoyed our time together. And the last thing I would like to say to you and your audience is that you are completely worthy as you are. There is nothing more you have to do there's nothing more you have to prove to anyone else. Your authentic self is exactly what this current world needs. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Oh, that's so sweet. And uh, everyone, the book again is Raving Transcending Fear. I'm going to post all the information about the book in the show note and also in the YouTube uh, note area so you guys can find Terry. Follow her on social media. She shares a lot of gems. And she also has a podcast called Soul Solution. How do you get plugged in with her? I'll share all that information. Again, Terry, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you very much, Lizette. I enjoyed our time together. Thank you.
Hello everyone. You guys know this is October. October is my favorite month for several reasons. But one of the main reasons why October is my favorite reason, my favorite month is really because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I have to tell you, I am a co-survivor of breast cancer. What does that mean is uh, 22 plus years ago, my mom was a breast cancer survivor. And um, I've created a foundation, this for the cure to empower, educate women in West Africa, rural West Africa about breast cancer and provide free breast examination. Our organization has been running strong for the past eight years, going nine years. But two years ago, we came up with this brilliant idea to have a massive effort starting in 2030 to build a state-of-the-art breast cancer treatment center in West Africa. So I am coming here today to ask you during breast cancer, not only to go get yourself checked, get a mammogram if you're over 40, but get involved, join the fight, join us for a donation, support our, our cause. You know, we are looking for stronger and committed supporter to stay with us for the long run. So I wanna invite you to go to the website link in the show note here for our fundraising. This is not something that I do often on the podcast, but I really wanted to ask you for your help, for your support for this great cause. Everything that we do on the podcast all the advertisement that we do is really geared toward this mission of mine. I think this is a purpose. This is my passion to educate and empower women in general, but to educate them specifically and help them get treatment around breast cancer. This is a lofty goal and we can only do it with your help. So go to the website and check it out. Thank you. Africa with us. Explore beautiful West Africa with this square adventure that is traveling with purpose. You want to make an impact with your traveler? Join us. We make it possible for you, our guests, to enjoy and discover three amazing West African destinations, Benin, Togo, Ghana. We offer an upscale experience, a beachfront, four-star and plus resort style accommodation, for 10 days. If you're an African-American in search of your African route, or you're passionate or curious about Africa, its culture, history, food, and people, this is an opportunity you don't want to miss. What awaits you? Sightseeing, local markets, festivals, local food tasting. Go to our website, www.cisquareadventure.com. Africa is just a sign up away from you. The countdown starts now. Thank you.
you for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed the conversation and find it inspiring or educational, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues because sharing is caring. And when you up your confidence, your friends will up their confidence too. Leave us a review and also follow our Facebook page, Up Your Confidence. We are growing and excited to continue the conversation. You can always DM or email your host on Instagram at zsquare4 and zsquare on all other social media or visit her website at zsquarecorner.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, remain blessed, and up your confidence every day.